good evening. Welcome back to the Black Robe Podcast. I am here as always with my lovely co-host, Miss Carol Mitchell. How are you doing? Good evening. I'm much more energized this week than I was last week when we were trying to get all this stuff done for the symposium. <laughs> I know, right? It's good to have a break. Um, I gotta say that I'm maybe this smile is masking some hurt feelings that I I'm having inside. It's been it's been a tough week, uh, Carol, with just the just the new. I mean, not the new, but the reoccurring um, injustice that's happening in oh, our community. Yes, right. We're gonna I mean, talk about that tonight with our guest. Um, I've been watching the the trial of Derek Chauvin, which frankly feels to me like the O.J. Simpson trial in reverse. You might be too uh -uh. young, but I was in law school I know about OJ. when that happened. <laughs> it was that same kind of anticipation of an outcome that no matter what happened, half the world was gonna be unhappy, only mm -hmm. it's in reverse. And then you have the death of Dante Wright before we can even get finished with this other trial. So. Our guest yes. tonight is going to maybe help us heal. That's what we should, we should have him tell us how to heal this yes. wounded feeling that and the sadness that we all seem to be carrying around right now. Definitely. Well, we at least need him to pray over us and our community um, for hope and justice. And what better person than Bishop Lawrence White himself Right. This is the leader with the Tacoma Ministry Alliance. Um, yes. He's really adding or I, and I want to say for the first time, I think, you know, it's been common in the black community to, to go to church for advocacy. Right. I mean, during segregation, that was kind of the that's where we met and where we formed agendas. Right. That's a lot of the times where Martin Luther King, Reverend right? Martin Luther King right. would come out and and really try to organize the people. So I'm so excited to have uh, Bishop with us here today. Well, let's um, bring him on. You're ready? Let's, let's bring him on, Carol. You let's do it. Let's bring him on. All right. There he is, the man there of the hour. He is. Yes. Good evening, Good ladies. Good evening, Bishop. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here today. We know that we have a lot of things to talk about. And Carol and I, before bringing you on, said, you know, maybe Bishop can help us heal through some of the trauma that we're re-experiencing um, today as a community, or sorry, um, recently as a community. Uh, but before we kind of dive into to our healing and maybe some prayer. Yes. Um, <laughs> hey, maybe Bishop got some blessed oil. He can lay, wow. lay hands. <laughs> <laughs> we need the anointed. Okay, yes, we Lord. need the protection. Yes. You need to lay hands on us and our community because yes. this has been a traumatic year in so many Definitely. Ways. Yes. But can you, uh, for our viewers, Bishop, please just introduce yourself and the Vision Center and what exactly you guys are out here doing in our community? Sure. Again, my name is uh, Bishop Lawrence White. Uh, I'm uh, privileged to be the senior pastor and teacher at Church of the Living God, a non-denominational ministry in the Hilltop area of Tacoma. Um, I'm also the executive director and founder of the Vision Center, which is a community uh, outreach and service entity uh, providing 
uh, everything from after school training support to uh, uh, services and supports to the homeless. Uh, also uh, working with several other partners to provide uh, food uh, in this time of need uh, through the Blessing Food Bank. And so we, uh, we run the full gamut of, of services for families and youth that are in our community. So you feed not only the spirit man, but also the physical man, woman, child through the food yes. bank, which is beautiful, right? Because yes, yes. how can people hear the word if their stomach is growling, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, more true, that's more true than you know. <laughs> it's, it's funny because uh, we uh, were fortunate enough to have two um, buildings right on the corner of South 25th Street and, um, uh, or South 21st Street, I'm sorry, and uh, M. And uh, the two buildings that we have, the first building uh, that we started off with is a actual grocery store. And uh, in its day, it was a grocery store and um, uh, it provided nourishment to the community, those who needed to shop for food and were to come there. And so what a wonderful thing now, all these years after to still be able to provide nourishment uh, to the community. And then our building across the street where the Vision Center is housed, it used to be what was called, I'll use my country talk, it was called a washitarium or a laundromat, <laughs> if you will. Oh. And, uh, a washitarium. Yeah, that's what, that's what we called it back at home with the washitarium. And so, uh, so, it, uh, it, it, so our, our initial thought was uh, it, it washed the clothes of people who were in need, and now we're washing the souls of people who are in need. And so uh, what a wonderful thing uh, to be able to do here in the Tacoma Pierce County area. Definitely. Very, very good. That's so encouraging. Yeah. Um, you're also a part of the Tacoma Ministerial Alliance, which I has am. been around for quite some time. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about the history of TMA uh, how they got started, what is, what is their mission, what's their purpose, and what are they doing now? Well, um, I'm, I'm now, my wife and I, uh, I'm uh, blessed with my beautiful wife, Audrey. Uh, we, we're now residents of this area 25 years, and so I'm, I'm really a knee baby uh, as it relates <laughs> to the true word that has been done by so many uh, spiritual giants, uh, Stonewall Brazil, um, uh, um, uh, Pastor Bowles at St. John's, um, just uh, so many. Um, Maybe uh, uh, Freeman Rhodes. Right, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Rhodes. From Bethlehem. Right, so so many of those uh, gentlemen are the ones who really set the foundation for the work that we're so privileged to be able to do today. But uh, its, its inception was really to be the spiritual advocates and uh, this, the spiritual voice for the black and brown community here in the Tacoma Pierce County area. Um, really dealing with everything from uh, state politics to uh, social justice. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, when I came here, I was in awe and I was grateful that uh, these men uh, actually um, had really set the bar um, for 
you know, uh, mainly social justice. I mean, one mm-hmm. of the things that I was in amazement with was the fact that nothing happened in the Tacoma Pierce County area without them having voice in it. Uh, it was it was all, it didn't matter whether it was political, it didn't matter whether it was social, uh, didn't matter mm. whether it was educational, it was always run through the, through the Tacoma Ministerial Alliance. And so it was respected and honored as a, a partner uh, uh, of leaders within the community. Uh, now, in being totally transparent, uh, I'd be negligent in saying that over the years, uh, we have allowed our voice to be taken. Mm. For those of us uh, who were the emerging leaders are now the leaders. Over the years, we've allowed that voice to be taken away and we've allowed the work that God called us to, <clears throat> to some extent, become irrelevant. Oh, uh, look out to, now. To, uh, <laughs> to solutions in the community. And I, I remember, if I could take the liberty, I remember, and I won't shame her by calling her name, but I remember a local politician inviting me to a, a think tank session that happened at uh, Pierce College. And so uh, it was an all day event and it was uh, just a plethora of uh, stakeholders that came to talk about issues and strategies. At that time, the east side was kind of more of the concentration of where some of the concerns was, but obviously Hilltop had not come out of the woods yet. And so there was just a lot of thought. And so in this process, the, in the, the rotunda, they, they plastered the walls of the rotunda with a, a um, a, a, a kind of a prayer chart, you know, just looking at, you know, where does this lead and who does this lead to? Who's responsible for this? What can we expect here? And they just worked all the way through it. And so at the end of the day, and I mean, it was a literally a full day of work. I was impressed that, that that many people committed to conversation around solutions. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, everybody broke and everybody was leaving going home. And so I was leaving and the person who invited me called my name with the intent of getting my feedback. And I can be honest with you, I thought I was going to get away. Because if there's one thing, if there's one thing that anybody will know about me, if you don't know me, is it's safe not to ask me if you really don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, he's gonna so, tell the truth. And the so, truth will set you free. That, no that's and so literally, I, I thought that I was getting away. I thought, okay, you know, I'll just, I'll take this as, you know, for what it was. But, uh, but the person caught me and said, hey, you know, and they were just fired up. I mean, they were fired up. So what did you think? You know what? How did you, how did you think it went? You know what? I, I'd like to get your feedback. And I said, you know, uh, I actually was hoping that we wouldn't talk. And, she, you know, said, well, I'm confused. I said, well let me, I can show you better than tell you. Mm -hmm. So I walked him all the way down the continuum of solutions and partners. And I said, here's the ironic thing. You were intentional in inviting me. And I wasn't the only one that was here, but you invited me. And so you're now you're asking me for feedback. You were intentional inviting me as a faith-based leader and a faith-based stakeholder. I said, but from beginning to end on this matrix, I don't see the faith community mentioned once. Uh-oh. Mm. And so how can, 
how can you how can you justify that? How can we justify that? That here are all, here's what the community said. And mm-hmm. again, that I wasn't the only pastor in here, but but we allowed this to be created and didn't speak up and say, so where do we fit in? Mm-hmm. And why would you assume, why would you even even assume that we wouldn't be relevant to solutions anywhere along this continuum? And, and so that, that's the truth that we have to own, but I'm grateful for uh, a God of another chance mm-hmm. because uh, the Tacoma Ministry Alliance today is a very different entity. I'm grateful for the leadership that I'm uh, privileged to serve under, uh, Dr. Christopher, uh, Bishop uh, uh, Johnson, um, um, uh, uh, Dr. Castile. I mean, the mm-hmm. name goes on of leaders who are in, in leadership and director position. Bishop Kim Forrest. I mean, you know, I can go on calling names, but I'm grateful to serve under and to serve with these great men and women who are now reclaiming our voice and making the decision that we're going to be relevant to the solutions and mm-hmm. relevant to the issues that are impacting our community today and going forward. Um, the big difference, and Carol, we, you, you kind of touched on the question earlier, the big difference of where uh, the TMA launched and where we are today is at that point in time, we were viewed as, and we walked in a posture of leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we are, we are student leaders. And, and that's the term that I would use, that we're student leaders. And what that means is that as, as well as we're leading in those areas that we need to, we also are being intentional and in trying to learn. Um, we, we have brilliant minds in, in other generational postures, great emerging leaders, great leaders who are doing uh, great things. Uh, and I'm grateful to be able to learn from young leaders as well as to graft into and share with young leaders experience and knowledge and wisdom. Uh, but this, at the same time, some of these younger leaders and, and younger participants in the fight can, can broaden our perspective of really understanding the execution of solutions. And so today you have a bunch of faith leaders who are really student leaders. Mm-hmm. I, I love that concept because it is exactly why the Institute for Black Justice, part of the reason why the Institute for Black Justice was born was to close that, in, that generational gap because when we have these iconic charismatic leaders like uh, Reverend Brazil, Reverend Bowles and Reverend Free, uh, Rhodes, Freeman Rhodes, uh, that sometimes there's a vacuum because they are so powerful and so impressive and so iconic that that next generation coming up behind them doesn't get the full exposure sometimes. And I, I don't think they do it intentionally. That's just the way it is when you have a charismatic leader. And mm-hmm. so I love the fact that now what you're saying is you're willing, which I think is difficult for folks in our generation. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty close in your age sure. group. Yeah. Yeah. My hair dye is just better, that's all. <laughs> uh, but we don't, 
<laughs> we don't always take the learner's posture because we have a lot of experience. I had this conversation with Pastor Robert Milton, who is one of my mentors, and we came out of Pastor Watson's church, Pastor Superintendent Watson's church. And uh, Pastor Milton said, our children don't value our experience. And I said, well, Pastor, do you value theirs? Because they have a different experience in the world that is just as useful to us as the time, you know, we have our experience over time. They have so much access to information through technology and knowing Absolutely. how to manipulate technology that they, mm -hmm. they move at warp speed through right. time. Right. And Janae, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts yes. about TMA as a in the learner position? I love that TMA has taken this passenger role or just, and you know, openly admitting, I think is very bold to say that as a leader, I am learning from, you know, the young people, right? Because we have a lot to add. And I think that, you know, I'd, I'd make the statement in civil rights and social justice, we have been gradually opening up you know, our, our lens. So initially I'm thinking back, you know, maybe in the sixties and the fifties, right. It was only men that even had a voice, you know, Absolutely. and then opening that up to women. Right. But still young people were not included. We were children, you know, you, you got a child's place. You know, I just remember growing up that we were set, forced to sit at the kitty table, you know, and not the adult <laughs> table. And that's just the culture. But I love to see that now, even in social justice, civil rights, especially on a local, you know, and I hope that this is happening all over the country, um, but that leaders who have been leaders are opening up to, you know, young people's perspective. Um, I personally, I attended the silent march back in March, the anniversary yeah. of Manny Ellis, that, okay. uh, of, well, the anniversary of his death. Um, and I believe the TMA put that together. And I was, I was so happy to see all of the young people that were there. You know, I didn't, I would have thought this was a young organization that brought these people together. Uh, I mean, I thought the Tacoma, I know they partnered with the Tacoma Action Collective, right. which is a group of young people. So I think that right there is just an example of how we really see TMA acting as, you know, student leaders out there in the field. Um, and then I also loved how at the silent march, um, one of the leader reverence, you know, we prayed openly, right? And and it wasn't for, you know, it, it was inclusive, right? So no matter who mm -hmm. you pray to, you know, or if you don't even pray and, you know, just close your eyes with us and try to feel some sort of sense of community and faith, right? We were, that was able, we were able to build and grow together and unite together just through that prayer I felt you know and it was just so optimistic you know we were we gave the older generation their space to speak we also gave the younger generation there's our space to speak and I loved it too that the leadership you know <laughs> there was a point in um the the recap or the the brief after the march where we ran out of programs you know but because the youth we know we got phones someone said just take a picture and pass <laughs> right. it on right you know? <laughs> right so, uh, there? that was me that was actually me because oh. you know i was uh, you know obviously we were up you know in the staging area and there was concern you can kind of see people will share it 
And I said, you don't have to do that. I said, this is the technology age. Just tell me to the phones. Exactly. That's right. We don't need copy makers anymore. No. Um, but Bishop, um, Andrew and I were not kidding because uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the current state of things. And we weren't kidding when we said there is this weight and I've been feeling it watching the Derek Chauvin trial, um, seeing the unfortunate circumstances around the death of Dante Wright, just another young 20 something young father who was killed in what is being called accidental, an accidental death, a police officer saying, I'm going to tase you, actually pulls out a gun and shoots him. Um, and by the way, has now resigned, 26-year veteran. She resigned, police chief resigned. Mm -hmm. But we're dealing with the trauma of watching the George Floyd body cam video as they try to present him as a an uh, uncooperative, drug-addicted Black man with a heart condition and high blood pressure who somehow contributed to his own death uh, in spite of what the experts are saying. Help us process this, both as a community. Can you help us process that trauma that we're feeling and that sense of frailty? That's how I feel. I feel somewhat uh, I won't say afraid because I don't carry fear around. I just feel vulnerable mm -hmm. in some mm -hmm. ways to a system that is not designed to be fair to people with my skin tone. So what, what, what's your recommendation? What would the TMA say about how we need to process through the pain of everything that we're witnessing? Well, I, I think the primary thing that we have been trying to demonstrate, and it goes right back to our last point, as well as where we're trying to steer people, and that is to each other. Uh, it's time for us to come together uh, to put to put down whether it is denominational boundaries, gender boundaries, uh, theological boundaries. There's so many things that are unnecessarily kept uh, separated. And now here we are, and, and what, I, what I've known over the years is that death is the great equalizer. Yes. And so um, it has no respect of economic status. It has no respect of color, education, or any other qualifier that we falsely use to determine you know, our, our uh, size of, of power or region. And, and so, it really is about us coming together. There's a great awakening. Um, uh, we were having a conversation just the other day and it, what most people don't realize is that uh, if you take a look at uh, the death of Emmett Till and how yes. horrible and tragic that was, but mm -hmm. most people do not even recognize that there's a law or potential law that hasn't even been passed yet. You know, it's still just sitting there after all these years is just sitting there waiting to be voted into law and it hasn't even been voted into law yet. And what a horrible thing that we're still now, what, 66 years removed 
And so what we're experiencing is we're experiencing a great awakening, not necessarily waking up because mm -hmm. we, we've, been, we've been awake and alert and we've been feeling the pain and the, the wounds and the scars. We see the scars on each other. Now there's a great awakening to say enough is enough. And the only way we're gonna do this is we're gonna do it together. And mm -hmm. so we're making the decision, and, and I've been a proponent of this. It, it, it's not until we reconcile, and it's not until we come together and, and put, put individuality aside and say, together we will stand, and together we will have one voice. And, and of course, we know in simplicity there's power in numbers. And so, mm -hmm. um, so we're waking up. I've been here 25 years, and to see... Uh, now, uh, the, the Hilltop community, I remember my third day of work, I retired from a telecom, uh, what is now called CenturyLink, it was US West at that time. And I remember my third day at a meeting uh, talking about where, where I was doing ministry work and everyone in the room was just horrified and they talked about, we don't even drive through that area. How do you, how do you, how do you propose to put a pastor there? And then now to see, you know, the red lining and to see the gentrification that's going on and now them wanting to take over the hilltop area. But, but again, it's time for us to stand up and it's time for us to act out and it's time for us to hold our ground. Mm -hmm. And we have to do that together. Uh, I don't win if you don't win. And you can't feel good about winning if you see me lose. And, now, when I, you're saying us are you talking about black folk i'm talking about not only just black folks but i'm talking about black men and black women oh okay because, oh no no what you're trying to say bishop well again i, I think <laughs> Make we, a claim. i think we talked about it before that there was there's been a gap and and that will that's another discussion issue but there's been a gap and there's mm -hmm. uh, in where where we've been a male-dominated, male-led uh, 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 culture, we now have shared leadership and then we now mm -hmm. have joint ownership. Mm. Uh, we, we've been blessed with wonderful leadership. Our former mayor, who now is serving on the next level, our current mayor, who is holding the ground, doing a great job, other emerging leaders, and I don't want to start calling names, but I mean, we have great emerging leader, women, who are strong not only in, in their, their fundamental teachings and conviction for what's right, uh, mm -hmm. but who, who are also women of faith. And, and we embrace that. And, and again, it's a wonderful new season of, of change for us as a Black culture. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to ask or add to the conversation not only within the Black community, but as we've seen, you know, philosophies like you know, Fred Hampton, right, with the Rainbow Coalitions and really getting people, you know, unifying with people across, as you mentioned, denominations or races or social economic classes. So there's a current controversy, Bishop, um, when it comes to the Asian, anti-Asian hate and, and the Black and Black Lives Matter, right? And I've heard this from people, my demographic and older within the Black community, that you know they agree what's happening in the Asian community that you know the hatred is just wrong, period, 
right? But they are a little reserved when it comes out to actually supporting or marching with um, these Asian, you know, anti-Asian hate groups because we haven't had the support in our Black Lives Matter groups. In fact, there is a lot of Asians that are Trump supporters and that right. voted for Trump in his last election, right? right? So what would you say, how can we unify or, you know, because as you said, simplistic numbers, it, it matters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is, I know what's, what's the godly thing to do and is forgive and just move forward, but there is that trauma that you didn't support me just like with the, the women's march. A lot of black women were fighting in the white women's march and we have been since the suffrage movement, right? But white women don't always come to the Black Lives Matter. I mean, this 2020, we saw it differently. Right, right, right. 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 You know, um, the Asians, you know, community haven't always been vocal about Black Lives Matter issues or social issues you know, because they have been business owners. And we already know mm-hmm. about the, the tensions, um, you know, we saw with the Rodney King riots, right? right? I mean, right, right. how do we overcome all this years of trauma and, you know, this disconnect and, and come together so that we can get some positive change? I mean, what would you say? Well, I think one of the, one of the basic premises has been, there's been an overemphasis on the fact that we serve a God of forgiveness. And we serve a God of restoration. That is true. But I think there's been an overemphasis on that. We also serve a God mm. of judgment and accountability. And, mm. and I think that yeah. we, I don't think we have to continue to strengthen and fortify ourselves in holding others accountable. You, mm. you will no longer use us as the trophy or use us as a convenient go-to in order to move an agenda. We, mm-hmm. we, we expect that that we're going to move our agenda forward. And, and, and there are going to be times where we're going to demand that there's a priority of our agenda over other agendas. Mm-hmm. And, so, mm-hmm. and so it's not gonna be a hollow promise or false promise or false expectations of, well, if you do this, then we, we've, we've fallen for that long enough. Now we have to stand up and say, no, this is our agenda. And we're going to move this agenda forward. And if if there's no support, or if you can't uh, if you can't support this agenda, then then we will continue to move forward, and and we'll just have to visit down the road someplace where we do actually converge, and we can come together. And so again, it's a it's a matter of also judgment and accountability. Speaking the truth mm-hmm. in love, that's in there. Mm-hmm. And so speaking the truth in love, but also holding people accountable. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes, both Ooh. sides of the coin, right there. Oh, that's, that's some fire! You need some snaps. Right. I told you, Bishop was gonna bring the blessed oil tonight. <laughs> there, there we go. Yes, accountability and be unapologetic. That's one thing. Uh, in the uh, IBJ, we—it's our mission statement to relentlessly fight for equity and justice from a black perspective. I mean, that's very bold language. Well, and the reason we the reason we prioritize black people who are black of African descent is because we feel that if we get it right for black folk, everybody else, all the other boats are gonna rise on the ocean because of our unique history 
Um, I would say with the exception of the extermination of indigenous people, mm-hmm. our unique history of being taken from our homeland, right. trans, transferred, transported after being in captivity, and then for hundreds of years having to be in that uh, subservient role to white people who used us as a source of their economic progress. That's a unique history that Black folks have. Uh, I, I think here in Tacoma, you could say that Chinese Chinese yes. folk had a, a, a history of being who being in service, but not in captivity. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. expelled. Right. Um, Japanese were interned for a period of time. Right. But nobody shares that long hundreds of years worth of captivity, forced captivity in a land that was completely unfamiliar to them. And so we have a very unique history. And if we fix it for Black folk, Asian folk will benefit, white folk will benefit. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I, I, I think where we have another tremendous opportunity, um, and, and I'll personalize this because my, on my mother's side, my grandfather, my mother was born in a city called Lorma, Mississippi, right outside of Alcorn. Most people know where Alcorn is, but Lorma is small. Where's Alcorn? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I got to look it up. Only well, city I know is Jackson. Okay, well, it's about, it's about two hours from Jackson. Oh, and wow, so, okay. And so uh, that's where she was born. And so uh, I was born and raised in Nebraska. And by that time, my grandfather coming out of Mississippi, he was working a lot of property in order to make ends meet for uh, the family. And of course, we had a small piece of property. And so I remember I started working in the field with my grandfather when I was nine years old. Mm. And I remember all the way through growing up under his leadership that during that time, uh, parents and grandparents, they were storytellers. And, and, and what I'm suggesting is we've gotten away from being storytellers. Mm-hmm. Some of the thing that contributes to the gap is we're not telling the story. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the story. There's, there's so much of our narrative that has just gone untold or unspoken. Mm-hmm. And so that contributes to the divide that we've had to this point. And, I, and I'm grateful for it. it it's shrinking. And, and I believe in, in God's time, it will close and we'll be unified as a people. But a part of that is because we've gotten away from being storytellers. And mm, we've gotten away yeah. from giving the narrative and helping us to understand where we've come from. There's been a loss of value of understanding what we have today because we don't even know what we didn't have before. And Hello. So, Absolutely. So, Hello. I think there's a tremendous opportunity as we continue self-healing and as we continue to close the gap for ourselves. I believe a lot of that is also going to come through recreating uh, uh, a village of storytellers uh, mm, who, who are really, really helping us to appreciate and understand where we come from. Yeah, and I could not second that or agree with that statement more. Um, Just a personal story. I didn't know how my family migrated to Seattle until maybe two years ago. And I'm 25 now, you know, will be this year. And I didn't learn that until I was 23. 
And I mean, there's so much wealth in just knowledge and, you know, knowledge is applied knowledge is power, you know, but now I can tell that message to my children, you know, future children and grandkids, because it does paint a picture. It puts, it gives you more of a sense of belonging, right? Or how, how you ended up here, right? What is, what's your family's history? Um, and you're so right. There's so much power in that. I often talk about um, entrepreneurship or, you know, generational wealth. Yes. Like knowledge is generational wealth. I want all of my, you know, elders or people that have come before me, tell me your story. So one, I can either avoid the same barriers. <laughs> I don't need to, mm -hmm. I can learn my lesson through you, you know, or two, I can observation. You don't have to learn everything through experience. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why, that's what you guys are here for. You know, we're supposed to um, come like stand on your shoulders, right? We're right. not supposed to start from ground zero and learn on our own. Now I would wait, love to take the wait. knowledge you have and, this and raggedy, expand on this it. raggedy set of shoulders, you can't. Okay, <laughs> well, it was a metaphor, Carol. I ain't gonna break your back. Hey, now, that's, I got author in the left arm and writers in the right. So you, you know, and it, it's amazing. Mouth. It's amazing because again, uh, as I said, what, what a, a blessing 25 years ago uh, to have uh, landmark leaders as examples in front of me. Again, the mm -hmm. uh, Stonewall Brazils, the, the Bozes, uh, uh, I can't remember uh, from Church of God in Christ. Um, Alzheimer's uh, and- Yes, and, and so- uh, The Kid Clan. To have those examples, but you know where my greatest enrichment came from? It came right. from uh, a Miss Virginia Taylor, Mm -hmm. And it came from a Miss Alberta, Canada, and oh. and, I, and and our where our church sits, she used to every day that I come from my office to the church, she'd be out there in the roundabout, and she worked that roundabout every day, and and she was spiritual enough, and she was loving enough that she could discern where I was on any given day, and sometimes she would just stop me before I go into the into the church. And she would just talk to me and she would just pour into me or she would encourage me or she would challenge me. And the same thing with Miss Taylor, uh, many times, you know, would just uh, come and, and grab me. And, and of course their approaches were very different. Uh, you know, uh, their styles were very different. But mm -hmm. I, needed, I needed all of that from them, but they were storytellers and they helped me to understand the value of what I was coming to and, and to really have respect and reverence for what at, at a certain season and a certain point, I would receive and have to embrace as then now the next mm -hmm. level of leaders that will be responsible for running the next leg and then not being a hoarder, but being intentional mm -hmm. around, uh, around passing the baton. Yes. Uh, we, we gotta, we, we could go on for an hour uh, or more. Bishop, I'm I just sure. hope that you're spreading this. I hope everyone is like, not the people that are just listening now, but the ones that have the opportunity to work with you that are, that really do look up to you because bishops and reverends, I mean, you're leaders in the community to a lot of the older demographic, you know, once people have children. <laughs> well, yes, yes, yes. But no, people like my, <laughs> my mom and aunt and older people, they really call to the pastors. They really, mm -hmm. young people might go to TikTok and YouTube to get an answer. 
but the older demo, they'll, they'll go to, you know, the leaders and the spiritual leaders. And those are also the people that need to follow this model of just listening and learning, you know, being student leaders, right? Not letting your experience automatically, you know, make you more um, credible. So how's it go? Don't, don't let your, your learning get in the way of your, no, don't let your teaching get in the way of your learning, something like that it goes. Yeah. But uh, we have to close soon, but uh, Bishop, I did want you to speak on just a couple things uh, that you, I know were on your heart, especially the, the recognition of how the major league sports are responding to, the, how they responded to voter suppression, LeBron James and uh, the Lakers, they, they, the Staples Center became a voter voting mm -hmm. uh, site last right. summer. I mean, right. so we right. see athletes becoming activists. Of course, Colin Kaepernick still ain't got his job back, but maybe someday uh -huh. he got a Nike deal. So I, yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah. doing all right. But Major League Baseball, um, especially in Minnesota, has responded. What are your thoughts about that? Do you think that that's all for, you know, for hype and for media attention? Or is it your sense that there's a real commitment to equity and justice coming out of those teams? I think that there's a real commitment and my hat's off to them. Um, you know, not that they owe me anything, but uh, my hat's off to them for um, what they've chosen to do and what they'll continue to do. And, and it's really about accountability. Uh, we're in a new season now. Uh, the tables have turned and there's greater uh, spans of joint respect between owners and players and players and owners. Uh, there was a time uh, not too long ago where owners really took a a plantation ownership mentality. Mm -hmm. uh, you play for me, I write your check, I hold your future. Uh, there's a very different narrative and a very different dialogue today where they're co-partners in the greater interest of making the sport what it should be, whether it's from a entertainment standpoint to those who are fans or whether it's uh, uh, opportunity of earning for everybody mm -hmm. to share in. So you know, some, folks would, some folks have come out and said that, you know, corporations and these major league systems should stay out of politics. Well, there's a, and, cer and there's again, a certain uh, former president who, you know, was hmm. basically threatening these uh, sports institutions and major corporations who are saying, hold up on voter suppression and hold up on police brutality. He's saying it's none of their business. They need to stay out of politics. What, what's your feeling about it? Well, that's fine. I mean, he's a spectator on the sidelines now. And so you know, <laughs> he's, he's, allowed, he's allowed his voice like anybody else. I, I, I would always tell people I would never take someone's voice from them, but I don't want you to assume that your voice will dictate direction. And, oh. so, and so I'm grateful today that Again, major league owners are in partnership with players and players are in concert with owners and whether it's voter suppression or whether it's social injustice, they, they're making their voice heard and they're making their voice heard for the greater interest of everybody outside of themselves. They understand 
that they're blessed. They understand that there's a, a level of and rightly deserved privilege that comes with being a professional athlete. And so mm -hmm. I, I respect that and understand that. But what I'm excited about is the fact that they're intentional. And I, I speak to this in everyday life. There ought to be a level of intentionality around what I do, what you do, what we do every day. Mm -hmm. It ought to be intentional. It ought to be purposeful. And so with the, with the twins and the Timberwolves canceling their games in honor of this tragic, another black life being lost, um, whether it was, again, the Lakers and the uh, Basketball Association who created uh, voter locations all across the United States in order to make sure that people were able to vote. All of those things come into play. I don't want us to, to, to leave without acknowledging the fact that there's a, a intentional emphasis on historical Black colleges and, mm -hmm. and up, uh, opportunity, making intentional investments, and, and showing homage and respect to our history uh, because they are the foundation of our history. And so I'm, I'm grateful to see not only just from a social justice standpoint, but also cultural history standpoint, we're, we're pouring back into ourselves. Well, Bishop, we're seeing clothes. It's so good. You know, I know. No, we do. You know, you got to close this show. But I definitely, before Ejene closes us out with her closing comments, Bishop, I just want to thank you for your passion. I know you've been with us in some of the Lawyers Against Systemic Racism meetings as we discussed our own issues with the conduct of our local sheriff, thank you very much for that. I know uh, TMA has been involved in discussions uh, about Manny Ellis or at least been stayed in the loop there. And of yeah. course you had the, the silent march not terribly long ago. So thank you for that newfound desire to be students to these younger leaders of the social justice movement and yet at the same time also be mentors and uh, a source of wisdom for them that they can rely and count on. So thank you for being here tonight. Anjane, close thank it you out, so, my friend. Yes, thank you so much, Bishop. And I, I really just wanna emphasize how you're really using your platform uh, in bringing change to social justice um, and just making it more inclusive. I thank you and I'm so grateful for you for that. Um, but and also encouraging other people, no matter if they're athletes or you know, uh, YouTubers with a thousand subscribers, whatever platform you have, use it for some good, like the twins uh, and the Timberwolves are doing, right? And we're seeing celebrities follow that same trend, uh, but even on the individual, the regular people like us, right? We have a platform and we have a network and we can make social change uh, just by, you know, not being silent. That's what these teams are doing. They're just not being silent about the injustice because silence is a form of, you know, support, right? That is a statement. Silence is. Uh, yeah. So don't be silent. Use your platform. And thank you so much, Bishop, for using yours to encourage and teach. Um, and listen, I am so grateful for you. So we're going to wrap you. up. We're going to just put you into the waiting room real oh. quick. <laughs> thank you so much. Take thank care. you so much. You're a blessing to our community. Keep Bye -bye. up all the hard work. All right. All right. All right. Carol, that was good. Bishop told the truth. 
definitely did. Definitely. He was great. He was. I love the accountability aspects. I hope the people that were watching really heard from, you know, the spiritual leaders themselves, right? We, we can use our platform no matter what, what they are. Um, we can speak out and be unapologetic about it, right? Keep our well, agenda, get that and, justice. And I love his, his language, right? The time has come to come together and we are in a period of a great awakening. So That's time right. And not to wake up, but to be awakened. We'll, yes. we'll have to talk more about the difference. Freedom Summer, Summer Symposium. People need to get registered for the design challenge. Buy yes. tickets, right? That's right. We're still accepting applicants. We have until April 30th, guys, to get your application in. Remember, all 30 participants will receive a $500 stipend. Yes. That is five hundred free dollars um, right. for two and a half days of design fun. work. It'll yes, be fun. fun, so much fun, guys! So please apply. We'll include the link uh, in the description for today's podcast. You can also find it on our website at instituteforblackjustice.org. Um, also, if you are, uh, if you have any sort of talent, spoken word, if you do music, you're a singer, rapper, artist. We are looking for talent for the symposium because in order to be fun, it got to be entertaining. So right. Yeah. Now, and we're, we're especially looking though for, for art forms that demonstrate that art, music, dance, theater is a form, is a way that you can protest and change systems. So not That's just, right. you know, we don't just want you to perform for the sake of performing but come and demonstrate to us how your music, your art, your poetry is a form of social justice activism. So think about that. That's right. All right. I feel good. I think I can <laughs> sleep well tonight. Good. Me too. We'll see you I, next I really... time, right? On, on the Black Road podcast. We'll see you. Yes. You guys all have a great rest of your night. Bye.